Lives of Creation Chapter 11 Hope Dashed by Fratricide Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 to 18 And Adam knew, or had known, seen Rotherham's emphasised Bible, Eve his wife. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Genesis 4 verse 1 Having eaten of the forbidden fruit, Adam and his wife had become embarrassed by their nakedness and used fig leaves to cover what we now call their private parts. Eve had conceived before they left the garden, although she would not have known it at the time. When her son was born, she named him Cain, meaning gotten or acquired because her mind had dwelt upon the promise of Genesis 3.15 that she would have a son through whom all the sad consequences of their sin would be reversed. This surely was he. In this connection, for the first time we have recorded God's memorial name, which is holy. She says, I have gotten a man, even Yahweh, he who will be. But this was not to be. John Thomas wrote, Cain, who was conceived in sin, true to his paternity, was as faithless of God's word as the serpent. Elpis Israel But then Eve conceived another son whom she calls Abel, meaning vanity or transitory. This name is used as an appellative in Job when he says, for my days are vanity. Job 7 verse 16. The two names are mentioned together in the Psalms where we read, Man is like to vanity, or as proper names, Adam is like to Abel. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Psalm 144 verse 4. What we notice here is that hope is bound up with Cain whereas Abel's birth receives little attention. But why call Abel vanity? Is it because as Cain develops it becomes increasingly obvious that the hope of the promise being fulfilled by him seems unlikely? In any case, Abel's short life might appear as vanity, though certainly not in God's eyes. For one thing, though Abel was a keeper or shepherd of sheep, Cain is a tiller of the ground like his father. Not that there is anything wrong in this arrangement, but sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin does require a typical death of the promised seed by the shedding of blood of an animal, notably a lamb. Paul writes, And almost all things are by the law, purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Hebrews 9 verse 22 The Offerings of Cain and Abel And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Genesis 4 verse 3 in process of time, gives the idea, but is more literally from the Hebrew, at the end of days. 
there was a set time for bringing an offering in worship in accordance with chapter 1 verse 14. Here is indication of a pattern of worship which Adam, because he had been forgiven, must have taught his sons by example and precept. Both young men were responsible to God for their quality of worship by their knowledge of his requirements. There is no excuse for ignorance, neither then nor now. What is going to be worked out in these two brothers is the meaning of Genesis 3.15. Cain, as the seed of the serpent in his attitude, will kill his brother Abel, who foreshadows in his righteousness the seed of the woman bruised first. The victory of the seed of the woman will come later. We will read of it in the next chapter of Genesis. Whether Cain brought the best of his produce or not is not mentioned. What we are told is that Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. We ask, by what sign was it apparent that Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's rejected? Presumably because fire from the flaming sword of the cherubim consumed the fuller offering of Abel and not the lesser of Cain. This would be consistent with a number of later offerings. Obviously Abel went to a lot more trouble with his offering because to him his worship of Yahweh was important. It had to be pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. He brought the firstborns of his flock and the fat. Under the law of Moses, more than two thousand years later, this became a legal requirement. All the firstborn are mine. Numbers 3 verse 13. All the fat is the Lord's, because it is the richest part. Leviticus 3 verse 16. Note that the Lord had respect to Abel and not to Cain before anything is said about their respective offerings. So, although there is a right and a wrong offering, the first condition of acceptance is the attitude by which the offering is made. We often hear said, it is the heart that counts. This is correct as far as it goes. But if the heart is right, then it will inevitably follow that the offering will be what the Lord wants. It will not be limited by what we are prepared to give, and consider that it is unreasonable for God to expect anything more. We cannot take the attitude that God owes us something. It is we who owe him everything. It is not a question of how little can we get away with, but rather, how much more can we do because we love him for all his benefits toward us? Our attitude must be, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy Lord is within my heart. Psalm 40, verse 8. Or, as the Lord said to a woman of Samaria, True worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. 
God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4 verse 22 to 23. The Lord Jesus laid down his life for us. We must take up our cross daily. There are no human rights in this matter, only God and his sons. In Abel's case, his multiple offerings indicated that he not only offered for himself, but brought enough for Cain to use also. In this he foreshadowed the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. If his offering is not efficacious in our case, it is not the failure of the offering, but our failure to fully respond to it. We must show the utmost respect to our Lord. The Apostle Paul picks up this important matter of the heart from his passage in Genesis when he writes to the Hebrews, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Hebrews 11 verse 4. He then adds the essential point, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So now we can pick up the point that lack of faith leads to doubt that God exists or that he will reward those who diligently seek him. Cain did not believe in the remission of sins by the shedding of sacrificial blood and therefore neglected to bring a sheep or a goat for a sin offering. Here is the reason why Cain did not offer a fuller sacrifice which, in addition to the fruit of the ground, must include a lamb for a blood offering. For without shedding of blood is no remission, Paul says in Hebrews 9 verse 22. Paul has led to this conclusion that Cain's problem was his unbelief by informing us that but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. That is a combination of Hebrews 10, verse 3 to 4 and verse 7, quoting Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8. So even when the designated offering is made, it is of no value if it is not offered in faith. Not that such sacrifices are expected to be made today. The lesson is that ritual is no substitute for real righteousness. Unless our righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven, Christ said in Matthew 5 verse 20. The law of Moses was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In his crucifixion, Paul says that the Lord blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. 
and then goes on to explain that the feasts and offerings of the law are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Colossians 2 verse 14 to 17. Of him it is written, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins for ever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected for ever them that are sanctified. Hebrews 10 verse 12 to 14 What is now demanded in Jesus Christ is the obedience to the faith among all nations in his name, as Paul says at the beginning and the end of the epistle to the Romans. Obedience to the faith, the will of God, is the sacrifice we are expected to make coupled with the sacrifice of praise, as it says in Hebrews 13, verse 14 to 15. The Lord asks, Will I eat of the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto thy God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? seeing thou hatest instruction and castest my words behind thee. That is from Psalm 50, verse 13 to 17. The murder of Abel. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell, Genesis 4, verse 5. Cain's anger against God could only hurt himself. And since he could not hurt God, his anger turned against his brother whom God had favoured. The word translated wrath conveys the idea of waxing angry. Why was Cain so angry? Was it because he was the firstborn son who was thought to be the promised seed who would bruise the serpent on the head and so reverse the consequences of the sin of Adam and his wife? Great things were expected of him. He was the favoured son, and he knew it. His countenance fell in deep disappointment. The Lord, probably an angel, one of the cherubim, remonstrated with him, saying, If thou doest well, that is, to do righteousness, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Genesis 4 verse 7 There was nothing new to Cain about this approach by the Lord. Cain would have been well aware that it was only because of the repentance of his father and mother that their lives had been spared and he existed at all. God even repeated the same words, desire and rule that he had spoken to Eve in chapter 3, verse 16. In other words, if Cain did well, he would have the leadership as priest and firstborn. If thou doest well, 
is to do the righteousness of faith. However appropriate a sacrifice may be, it will not be accepted when offered by an unrepentant sinner. Taken literally, the phrase, sin lieth at the door, is sin crouches at the door. That is, sin is as a wild animal, ready to spring upon the sinner. In his monumental work, Elpis Israel, Dr. John Thomas, in commenting on this passage, suggests that not sin, but a sin offering, lies at the door. The Hebrew word hata'ah is the usual word for sin and means to miss the mark. That is, to fall short of the divine standard. But it is used sometimes in the law for a sin offering, the sense being determined by the context. Dr. Thomas is right in that if Cain had confessed his sin and made the appropriate sin offering of a lamb, he would have been forgiven and accepted. The phrase can be read either way and make sense. This is not accidental. It is a characteristic of God's word which has a unique fullness of meaning, a mark of its inspiration. Cain evidently expected to have all the privileges of the firstborn, but saw them passing to his younger brother. He was proud. Jealousy of Abel was aroused in him. Here began the enmity of the serpent seed for the seed of the woman. Murder would follow. With this event in mind, Moses, when giving Israel their law from God, said, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. I am the Lord. Leviticus 19, verses 18 and 19. This command is rehearsed by the Lord Jesus Christ when he stated that this is the second greatest commandment of the law. This he said in Matthew 22, verse 39. The same principle applies when the Apostle Paul remonstrates with the brethren at Corinth about not waiting for all the brethren and sisters to assemble before obeying their Lord's command to eat and drink wine in memory of him. Having said that they eat condemnation to themselves, not discerning the Lord's body, that is, the full corporate body of believers, Paul continued, Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. The first of Corinthians chapter 11, verse 33. The Apostle John evidently based his first epistle upon the record of Cain and Abel, for there are echoes of it in every chapter, so he writes. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, Greek diabolos meaning false accuser, here refers to the serpent seed from Genesis 3.15. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, conceived because of the serpent's lie, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? 
because his own works were evil and his brothers righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, like Cain. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. This we read in 1 John 3 verses 10 to 15. And then in Jude verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. And Cain's way was not God's way. Genesis 4 verse 8 says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. So Cain talked with his brother, who seems to have taken a sacrifice for his brother to use, as only a single lamb would be required for himself. But he had brought firstlings, ah, that is, more than one of the best of his flock. This only made Abel's brother more angry. He then took his brother out into the field where they could not be seen by the cherubim and slew his brother by cutting his throat in a mockery of sacrifice. The record makes a particular point about his brother's blood. Cain then buried his brother in a shallow grave. But this was premeditated murder, fratricide, and Abel's blood cried from the ground. As we have noted above, the Apostle John described Cain in the words, Who was of that wicked one, Greek poneros, wicked, malignant, and slew his brother, the first of John, chapter 3, verse 12. Here the word slew that describes Cain's action means to butcher or slay, especially as in sacrifice. It is also used of the death of Jesus Christ as the sacrificial lamb. In Revelation 5, verse 6 and 9, 12, chapter 6 and chapter 13 as well. Cain's action was an enactment of part of Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, in anticipation of Jesus Christ, who fulfills this first promise. Cain's Trial Before the Lord And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Of course the Lord knew what had happened and where the body had been hidden from sight. David the psalmist wrote, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence, literally face? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, the Hebrew Sheol, meaning the grave, behold, thou art there. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. 
Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Psalm 139, verse 7 to 12. So why did the Lord ask Cain where his brother was? To give Cain an opportunity to explain and repent, as the Lord had done with Cain's parents. But unlike his parents, Cain was going to brazen it out. So many try to do that, but what a futile exercise. The Creator knows all, including our hearts. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 Sadly, Adam's sin had breached the fellowship between man and his Maker. Cain's sin breached the fellowship we call the Brotherhood of Man, a fellowship broken by jealousy. And much more was to follow. Polygamy and revenge in Lamech, Genesis 4, 23-24. Lust, Genesis 6, 1-4. Corruption and violence, Genesis 6, verse 5 and 11 to 12. Until there was no remedy but to destroy all flesh by a flood. But nothing can completely negate God's mercy. Noah and his family in the ark were saved, and with them a new beginning made. Life continued, and so did sin. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain's retort to the Lord, Am I my brother's keeper? was both sarcastic and insulting. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's Proverbs 15 verse 4 and 18 verse 21. We need to take great care how we speak. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice, and destroy the work of thine hands? That's Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2 and verse 6. The word translated keeper, the Hebrew shamar, means to exercise great care over, to control, to guard. The same word was used when God asked Adam to keep the garden. No such responsibility was given to Cain regarding his brother. No one has such an obligation to dominate another except over one's own children when they are young. Yet we are our brother's keepers in the sense of love, respect and service. The word used by Cain is properly used, however, in the expression, The Lord is my keeper because he is our Lord. In Psalm 121, verse 5. There is pointed emphasis on the word brother spoken by the Lord as he talks to Cain. 
it is used six times in verses 5 to 11. And while we're counting, we might notice that Cain is mentioned 14 times in verse 1 to 17. Abel is mentioned seven times, and brother seven times. In the New Testament, Cain is mentioned three times by name, and Abel four times, a total again of seven times. On its own, this may not be so significant, but this kind of thing occurs so often in Scripture that it becomes another mark of the divine inspiration of the Bible. Abel's blood speaks. Surprisingly, Abel, though described by Jesus Christ as a prophet in Luke 11, verse 50 to 51, never spoke in life. At least, there is no recorded speech. But his bloods, plural in the Hebrew, spoke from the ground when he was dead. Remember, Abel had bled to death, and the Lord had had a spear struck into his side by one of the Roman soldiers, and out came blood and water. We read in John 19, verse 34. In contrast to there being no mention of speech by Abel, there is much recorded of Jesus Christ's teachings. This only increased the jealousy of Israel's rulers until they were so full of hatred that they brought about his crucifixion by order of the Roman governor Pilate. Pilate knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy, we read in Mark 15 verse 10, and three times declared Jesus innocent. But the priests put Pilate in the position where he had to agree to the crucifixion of Jesus to save his own neck before the emperor in Rome. In this, the chief priests fulfilled the role of the seed of the serpent and Jesus the role of the seed of the woman, from Genesis 3.15. The Lord had said to them, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets, and wise men, and scribes. And some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues, and persecute them from city to city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, All these things shall come upon this generation. Matthew 23, verse 34 to 36. This Zacharias may be Zechariah, the Old Testament prophet, in Zechariah 1, verse 1, but more probably the Zacharias who was slain by the zealots just before Jerusalem fell, referred to by the Jewish historian Josephus in his Wars 4, 5, 4. Like Cain, the rulers just couldn't find it in their hearts to humble themselves and repent. Though a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith later, we read in Acts 6, verse 7. After all, these priests knew that the guard upon the tomb of Jesus had been bribed to say that the disciples had stolen the body, 
which is explained in Matthew 28, verses 11 to 15. Jude says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, who slew his brother for envy. Jude, verse 11. No, Jesus Christ is the mediator of the new covenant and of the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. Hebrews 12, verse 24. For though Abel's blood cried for vengeance, Jesus' blood cries for our forgiveness, and he is still speaking. See the Revised Standard Version and the Dialogue.